Chapter Three of Ruth Fielding of the Red Mill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonali Punja. Ruth Fielding of the Red Mill, or Jasper Palo's Secret by Alice B. Emerson. Chapter Three. What has happened? the baggage car door was wheeled wide open again and the lamps on the platform shone in there was the forward brakeman to jump her down from the high doorway and reno with the little red light still hung to his collar bounded after her the conductor bustled away to tell the station master about the dog with the red light and of the words scrawled on the cloth which ruth had found wound around his collar indeed ruth herself was very anxious and very much excited regarding this mystery but she was anxious too about herself was uncle jabez here to meet her or had he sent somebody to take her to the red mill he had been informed by miss true pettis the week before on which train to expect his niece carrying her bag and followed dejectedly by the huge mastiff ruth started down the long platform the conductor ran out of the station signalled the train crew with his hand and lanterns waved the length of the train panting with its huge springs squeaking the locomotive started the string of cars faster and faster the train moved and before ruth reached the penthouse roof of the little brick station the tailgates of the last car had passed her a short bullet-headed old man with close-cropped whitish-yellow hair atop of which was a boy's baseball cap his face smoothly shaven and deeply lined and the stain of tobacco at either corner of his mouth was standing on the platform he was not a nice-looking old man at all he was dressed in shabby and patched garments and his little eyes seemed so sly that they were even trying to hide from each other on either side of a hawk's bill nose he began to eye ruth curiously as the girl approached and she seeing that he was the only person who gave her any attention jumped to the conclusion that this was uncle jabez the thought shocked her she instinctively feared and disliked this queer-looking old man the lump in her throat that would not be swallowed almost choked her again and she winked her eyes fast to keep from crying she would in fear and disappointment have passed the old man by without speaking had he not stepped in front of her where do you want to go miss he whined looking at her still more sharply out of his narrow eyes you be a stranger here eh? yes sir admitted ruth where are you going asked the old man again and ruth had enough yankee blood in her to answer the query by asking are you mr jabez potter me jabez potter why if i was jabe potter i'd be owing myself money that's what i'd be doing you weren't never looking for jabe potter much relieved ruth admitted the fact frankly he's my uncle sir she said i am going to live at the red mill the strange old man puckered up his lips into a whistle and shook his head 
eyeing her all the time so slyly that Ruth was more and more thankful that he was not proven to be Uncle Jabez. Do you know, Mr. Potter? She asked, undecided what to do. Do I know Jabe Potter? repeated the man. Well, I don't know much good of him, I assure you. I worked for him once, I did. And I tell you, he owes me money yet. You ask him if he don't owe Jasper Pallow money. You just ask him. He began to get excited and did not seem at all inclined to step out of Ruth's path. But just then somebody spoke to her and she turned to see the station master and two or three other men with him. This is the girl Mr. Mason spoke to me about, isn't it? The railroad man asked. The conductor of the express, I mean. He said the dog would mind you. He seems to like me, she replied, turning to the mastiff that stood all this time close to her. This is Tom Cameron's dog, all right, said one of the other men. And that lantern is off his motorcycle, I bet anything. He went through town about dark on that contraption. And I shouldn't wonder if he's got a tumble. Ruth showed the station master, whose name was Curtis, the bit of handkerchief with the appeal for help traced upon it. There is blood, she said. You see, it's blood, don't you? Can't somebody take Reno and hunt for him? He must be very badly hurt. Mason said he expected it was nothing but some fool joke of the boys. But it doesn't look like a joke to me, Mr. Curtis said gravely. Come, Palo, you know that patch of woods well enough, over beyond the swamp and Hiram Jennings' big field. Isn't there a steep and rocky road down there that shoots off the Osago Lake Pike? The Wilkins Gonners Road, yep, said the old man snappishly. Then can't you take the dog and see if you can find young Tom? Who's going to pay me for it? snarled Jasper Pallow. I ain't got no love for them Camerons. This here Tom is as sassy a boy as there is in this country. But he may be seriously hurt, said Ruth, looking angrily at Jasper Pallow. Tain't nothing to me. No more than your going out to live with Jay Potter ain't nothing to me, responded the old man with an ugly grin. You are a pretty fellow, you are, Jasper, exclaimed Mr. Curtis and turned his back upon the fellow. I can't leave the station now. Ah, here's Dr. Davidson. He'll know what to do. Dr. Davidson came forward and put his hand upon Ruth's shoulder most kindly. What's all this? he asked. And there is the mastiff. They tell me you are a dog tamer, Miss Fielding. He listened very closely to what Mr. Curtis had to say, and looked too at the smeared handkerchief. The dog can find him, no doubt of that. Come, boys, get some lanterns, and we'll go right along to the Wilkins Corner Road and search it. Then to Ruth he said, you are a brave girl, sure enough. But when the party was ready to start, half a dozen strong, with Pallows trailing on behind, and with lanterns and a stretcher, Reno would not budge. The man called him, but he looked up at Ruth and did not move from her side. I declare for it, exclaimed one man. That girl will have to go with us, Dr. Davidson. 
You see what the dog means to do. Ruth spoke to the mastiff, commanded him to leave her and find Tom. But although the dog looked at her intelligently enough and barked his response, a deep, sudden, explosive bark, he refused to start without her. It's a long way for the girl, objected Dr. Davidson. Besides, she is waiting to meet her uncle. I am not tired, she told him quickly. Remember, I've been sitting all the afternoon, and perhaps every minute is precious. We don't know how badly the dog's master may be hurt. I'll go. I'm sure I can keep up with you. Reno seemed to understand her words perfectly, and uttered another short, sharp bark. Let's go, then, said Dr. Davidson hurriedly. So the men picked up their lanterns and the stretcher again. They crossed the tracks and came to a street that soon became a country road. Cheslow did not spread itself very far in this direction. Dr. Davidson explained to Ruth that the settlement had begun to grow in the parts beyond the railroad and that all this side of the tracks was considered the old part of the town. The street lights were soon behind them and they depended entirely upon the lanterns the men carried. Ruth could see very little of the houses they passed, but at one spot, although it was on the other side of the road, there were two green lanterns, one on either side of an arched gate, and there seemed to be a rather large but gloomy house behind the hedge before which these lanterns burned. You will always know my house, Dr. Davidson said softly and still retaining her hand by its green eyes. So Ruth knew she had passed his home, to which he had so kindly invited her, and that made her think for a moment about Uncle Jabez and Aunt Alvira. Would she find somebody waiting to take her to the Red Mill when she got back to the station? End of chapter 3